Welcome to Buzz House, a Baker Tilly podcast. Baker Tilly is a leading advisory, tax, and assurance firm dedicated to building long-lasting relationships and helping you win now and anticipate tomorrow. In this podcast series, developed specifically for professionals in the multifamily housing industry, we'll take an inside look at the topics and issues facing multifamily housing professionals today, tomorrow, and in the future. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Buzz House, our Baker Tilly podcast, where you can find all the buzz affecting multifamily housing. I'm Don Bernard, the partner in charge of Baker Tilly's multifamily housing practice, and thanks again for joining us today. Today, we have a guest in the Buzz House to talk about HUD financing, FHA financing. We're excited to have Adam Hendon of Gershman Mortgage with us today. We'll get to uh, Adam and have a discussion with him about the current status of FHA lending, but just a couple of quick notes of things around the industry. A lot of eyes have been on Washington for the next round of stimulus related to the pandemic. With legislators unable to come to an agreement on a plan yet, the president came out with an executive order covering a number of items. One item was on the crucial discussion topic of evictions. Of course, the moratorium on evictions for federal financing that came with the CARES Act is now up as are many state level mandates. The executive order directed a number of federal agencies, including HUD, Department of Treasury, to consider actions to prevent eviction and foreclosure. So nothing is official with the executive order. There's a lot more discussion around it. So we'll keep you tuned to what's going on with the whole eviction and possible eviction crisis. The executive order also addressed uh, the continuation of certain unemployment benefits, which many owners of housing have found to be beneficial with tenants being able to continue to pay their rents. That, uh, of course, the original unemployment benefits that came with the CARES Act are now expired as well as of the end of January. One related note, we're hearing a lot of people in Congress, we're seeing a growing bipartisan support for some kind of rental assistance for those most impacted by the pandemic, as opposed to just uh, generally across the board. So please stay tuned. We'll keep you up to date on what's coming out of Washington in relation to the rental housing industry. One last note is we will provide a link to a survey on our website from the National Lease Housing Association regarding short and long-term effects on rental housing due to the pandemic. So please look to our website to see that link to the uh, survey by NLHA, National Lease Housing Association. Now with that, I'm going to start a discussion with our guest today, uh, Adam Hendon. Adam, thanks again for joining us today. And Adam, why don't we just start out so our listeners know a little bit of of your background and, and what Gershman does. Hey, Don. Uh, thanks for inviting me to be on the podcast today. Uh, my name is Adam Hendon. I'm Vice President of Gershman Investment Corp. and have been here since 2012. Uh, Gershman is a privately owned business. We're headquarters in St. Louis, but have offices throughout the country, another big office in uh, Denver as well as St. Louis, and satellite offices elsewhere. Uh, we primarily focus on FHA-insured lending. We are a MAP-approved lender. We've been in business uh, since um, the early 50s have been doing FHA MAP lending with HUD ever since it became a program. Um, we do everything in-house, so we originate, we service, we administer construction, we close our loans in-house, and we are a top 10 uh, lender and servicer in the FHA HUD space. Uh, last year was Gershman's best year on record in terms of volume, and this year is looking to beat even that. And uh, so we are uh, laser focused on this niche 
um, and really think it's a, a good opportunity um, for the foreseeable future. Perfect. And kind of the, the first question, and um, I know a big change that you and I had talked about over the last probably six, 12 months, you had, you had let me know this was coming, a uh, big change around the 223F product, where I believe it was in March of 2020, HUD uh, did in fact waive the three-year rule to be able to refinance and so forth. What, uh, I mean, is that open the floodgates? Can you maybe tell our listeners again the background of that, what, what it kind of means and what opportunities exist for, you know, properties that are coming through construction and stabilizing? Uh, yeah, thanks, Don. So, yeah, this, this rule has actually been waived before. To give you a little bit of interesting history, it was waived, uh, I believe, in 2010 was the last time during a financial crisis. And the reason why it was waived is that HUD could refinance construction loans sooner, um, get them off of a bank's balance sheet, and help provide liquidity to the financial system. Uh, so, fast forward, uh, they let that rule sunset. And they have reintroduced the three-year waiver again um, as of March of this year. And it is alive for and well for two years. And they're going to reassess um, the three-year waiver within two years of that. So it will be in March 2020. Um, it, it has opened the floodgates um, in a sense in a lot of ways because it allows access to capital for deals that HUD just historically hasn't been able to compete in. So the three-year rule, in essence, was a prohibition for multifamily projects that were not financed through HUD, through the construction, to enter into HUD's PERM loan program, which is the 223F, until three years uh, beyond the CO date. And so what would happen is that most projects, at least over the last decade, would exit construction loan financing. Um, be able to lease up before that three-year period and have access to other capital market uh, executions, whether it be Fannie, Freddie, Life Company, or CMBS, and borrowers just were unwilling for the most part to wait around um, three years to access the per markets through HUD financing. Well, with this change, um, HUD has gotten rid of that, that lag time, and you can now access the 223F loan you know, upon stabilization of asset. Um, so it's a very competitive product now and puts a lot of uh, borrowers and deals in play uh, for HUD financing that just uh, were not able to work uh, due to the timing. Perfect. Well, thank you for that, Adam, the kind of thorough response. Another question, you know, talking with a number of our clients, Adam, is, you know, just in, in general, some people like, you know, the HUD processing we understand takes takes a little bit longer. And just in this, these times of pandemic where we know, you know, municipalities are, are slower and people are working from home, you know, how, how have you seen the processing time so far during the pandemic with, with HUD loans? Um, and maybe even, or is, it, or is it taking longer for you to get third-party reports? Just how are things, you know, kind of flowing here through the pandemic? Yeah, so, so generally speaking, things are slower, but maybe not all for the reasons why you think. So on the third-party report side and the lender side, uh, things are slow just because it is a little more difficult to do third parties. Um, it's getting better now, but, you know, there was so much up in the air for so long about how to do these physical site inspections while COVID was present. Um, there's a little bit more normalcy um, protocol around it now. It makes it easy, easier, um, but it, people are busy. And so you have kind of this combination where people are working from home. It's not, they're on the office. And then the workload has really exploded for most of the HUD service providers and HUD lenders and HUD that, you know, wait times are increasing um, just by the nature of the volumes increasing. 
And that's really the same with HUD is that, you know, I think they've done a really admirable job of um, working and keeping up um, while not being in the office working from home. I think the issue is more the volume. I mean, they're doing, I think, up to double the volume right now than they did last year, you know, more or less the same staff. And so, you know, it's just the math, the throughput is going to slow down. Um, and I think we're really starting to get into the glut of that now. And, you know, we'll see how long uh, the backlog is, but I wouldn't be surprised if the deals really slow down through HUD's queue right now. And um, Adam, that was, that was good, good, good info as well. How are, you know, we've seen rates that in, in many products that are just, you know, crazy, almost historic lows and so forth. You know, how, how have really the, maybe the rates on these FHA products been, you know, since March, really the start of the pandemic and, and you know, how are rates looking today? Uh, Don, there are historic lows. Before March, um, you know, we were seeing uh, decently good rates and then the threes. And then once the financial uh, kind of crisis, really the COVID hit, um, there was a, a couple weeks there where, you know, nothing was moving. Rates kind of exploded. There was so much uncertainty. And within, I'd say, a day or two of the Fed acting in terms of providing a backstop of liquidity, we saw the market moving again and rates kind of come down to where they were pre-COVID. Well, since that's happened, um, the 10-year Treasury, which is the primary index that these HUD loans are based off of, has come down. So have rates and so have spreads. And so it's not uncommon in today's environment to be able to lock an interest rate with a 220F loan today you know, in, in below 250, you know, and you add MIP on top of that, um, you could easily be into a 35-year, you know, FHA 200F loan, you know, two and a quarter, even less on today's market. And then the D4 loan, which is HUD's new construction program, um, is, is usually a little bit higher because it is a construction loan by the nature of its drawdown, uh, but still historic lows and, you know, 40-year money is available, you know, at 3%, you know, plus an MIP range. That is, that is just absolutely unbelievable. It really is. <laughs> those kind of those it rates. Those it rates. Is. Yeah. Um, Adam, what um, Adam, what are um the blend? I mean, obviously, you know, again, I want our listeners to know that this is both available for affordable and market rate properties. Um, what, what's kind of the blend you're seeing, and maybe just what you know the, the types of clients you're working with, and and are there maybe processing times or rate differentials between market and affordable? But again, I just want to make sure people know that is also a market rate product. Yeah, it is a market rate product. And frankly, a lot of the volume that I think a lot of HUD lenders see um, is market rate. So I think HUD keeps actual statistics on this, uh, but it's at least 50-50 and potentially uh, skewed even higher, definitely for loan dollars in terms of what they distribute for market rate product, not only for refinancing, um, but also for new construction. Uh, my, my guess is that when the statistics come out this year, you're going to see probably a heavier skew towards market rate um, because the three-year rule deal is really geared towards market rate new construction coming out of their construction loan. Um, so there is a benefit to doing high financing with affordable, and that is there's some pretty favorable terms on how they appraise these properties. But in addition, so are the underwriting terms. So with an affordable property, you're going to look at a little bit higher debt service coverage, excuse me, a little bit higher loan to value, a little bit lower debt service coverage, a little bit higher occupancy rate underwriting, and then the MIP, which is a mortgage insurance premium, um, is lower as well. So from a, a market rate deal that doesn't have any green or energy features to it, 
to a, just a regular affordable deal, whether it's Lysark or Section 8, you can see MIP being reduced from 60 basis points to 25. So HUD does incentivize those. It's part of their mission. Um, while they do allow market rate, they look very for, uh, favorably on affordable housing projects. Very good. And I'm kind of during this time of, of, of COVID-19, have there been any significant underwriting changes in, in these FHA products, more reserves or just any other changes? Yeah, so, so the big change, and I think all the agencies and most perm lenders have some sort of flavor of this, is that um, there is a debt service operating reserve that needs to be put in place at closing uh, related to COVID. So the current underwriting standard today is that you are required to have a nine month debt service coverage, sorry, debt service escrow put in place at closing. And that will be released uh, the later of six months or three consecutive months uh, at a 117 debt service coverage ratio. So a lot of transactions uh, fortunately have some equity built up in them and they can actually fund this debt service escrow um, out of cash out proceeds. Um, but there are some deals that are, are tight, you know, need to get the full leverage and actually have to come uh, out of pocket to cover this escrow. So it, it is a change. Um, I don't think it's going to be going away anytime soon, um, but it's pretty consistent with most per lenders and um, maybe to digress and potentially answer another question of yours that you haven't asked yet is that this is a, a pretty big reason why, you know, HUD is, is so busy. Um, you, know, you have this three-year rule, you have low rates, but then in terms of how HUD is viewing deals through the COVID lens, it seems to me that they are um, a little bit, uh, how do I phrase this, not as conservative as some of the other lenders, which are requiring lower loan to the leverage points, higher debt service escrows. So you kind of have this perfect storm of why HUD's so favorable um, right now, you know, relative to really any other long-term, you know, high leverage permanent uh, loan product. Good, very good. Thanks for that uh, response, Adam. And kind of one last question, you know, and it also kind of re somewhat relates to the pandemic is, you know, we know, um, you know, Fannie, Freddie, HUD uh, through the CARES Act technically allowed for the ability for deals to go into forbearance. Have you seen much of this or what's kind of your experience? Um, I think maybe t is technically the time up or uh, what, what can you shed, shed, or pardon me, shed some light on, on this? Yeah, yeah. So um, generally speaking, we haven't seen much of this yet. And that's not to say that things will change, but uh, at least in Gershwin's portfolio, you have a lot of kind of strong newer projects, which just doesn't seem to have been, you know, hit by this um, that much. You have, and you have a lot of, you know, Section 8 projects, which are fully subsidized by the government. Um, and it's really hard to tell, Don, because we haven't seen an impact to this on most properties, with the exception of some that are, you know, specifically located in markets that are, you know, very high percent service service workers. Um, but the real question is, you know, once the government aid spigot is turned off, how is that going to translate into um, occupancies and collection rates of these properties? And I don't know if anyone knows the answer, but I think it's going to be pretty varying depending on product type and market. Um, and really, it's very hard to predict, but just haven't seen much softness yet. Very good. Yeah, that's pretty consistent with what we've seen with our clients as well. 
Adam, I want to thank you very much for joining the Buzz House today. It's been a pleasure to uh, get some good information proud to you for all of our listeners. You know, again, rates at sub 3%. I mean, getting closer to 2% than 3 is just unbelievable. So for all of our listeners, you know, feel free to reach out to Adam. We, I think we'll have his contact information. Thanks again for listening to our podcast today. Uh, reach out to, to Baker Tilly and myself with any questions or brainstorming your multifamily development. And also, again, please check out BakerTilly.com for any resources around COVID-19. And again, if you have any suggested topics, please reach out to uh, Baker Tilly at this email address, build at BakerTilly.com. That's B-U-I-L-D at BakerTilly.com. Thank you for joining us today. To receive notification when new episodes become available, please subscribe to Baker Tilly U.S., wherever you get your podcast.